Hello and welcome to the Paterno Fellows Podcast, a podcast designed to help students navigate the requirements of the Paterno Fellows Program through exploring research, service, creative opportunities, and engaging in meaningful conversation about contemporary campus issues. This is a podcast created by and for the students of the Paterno Fellows Program. All right. Hello and welcome to the Paterno Fellows Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Michael and Lauren. Unfortunately, um, Amina and Oliver were unable to join. They were the two other essay contest winners. Nevertheless, I am grateful to be joined by Michael and Lauren. Michael and I actually, I've been grateful enough to be developing a friendship with Michael, and I know him outside of this, so that's great. Um, but I want to get straight into this, and I want to ask you guys first, can you briefly reflect on the time when you had decided to participate in this collegiate of uh, collegiate uh, laws of life essay contest and what compelled you to do so? Was it the prompt, a competitive spirit, or was it something else? So for my part, Ladin, um, I'm part of a organization called the Presidential Leadership Academy. And one of the seniors last year, his name was Ezra Gershenok. And I believe he was actually the winner of this contest. And so I remember when his picture and his essay were circulating on social media. I got to read what he wrote and I thought, my goodness, I didn't see this opportunity. And so that coincided nicely with a desire that I've had to just write more uh, and to practice writing essays and doing things like that. And not just in an academic sense, but also just to contribute my ideas somewhere. And so for me, it was the intersection of seeing someone I knew succeed in this competition but also wanting to try to put my own ideas in the ring and see how they stood up to other people's. Yeah, similarly to Michael, um, I also really enjoy writing and I it's kind of one of my passions. So when I came to Penn State, I, I knew that I wanted to keep doing that and I didn't quite know how because it's not really within my major, but I actually saw this contest was advertised and um, I immediately was drawn to it because I want I've always wanted to stand out here I'm coming from a smaller town. Uh, everyone knows me. I know everybody. It was easy to do that. It was easy to put myself out there and be confident to show people what I was capable of. And I knew it would be more difficult here at a bigger place like Penn State. But I realized that if I wanted to earn a spot here and I wanted to earn recognition and a name for myself, I would have to put myself out there, you know, and be proud of my work and love it regardless if I won something for it or not. And I think I kind of stumbled across this contest and it was kind of fate. It was an opportunity for me to do that. And I'm just, I'm really glad that I did. Well, that's great. And it worked out really well for you. I mean, um, and, and yeah, Michael, I actually had Ezra on the podcast last year. So it was a really interesting conversation. And I actually saw the parallels between your story and his, um, and yeah. so far as like the family heritage aspect came into it. And that was very interesting when I was reading yours earlier today. Right. I want to jump into the writing process a little bit. So what were the easiest um, and or hardest parts of writing this essay? Because I know there was a certain word word limit, and it's often hard to write within a pretty short word limit. So how did you limit all of your ideas and condense them into that short form? Was that the most difficult thing or was it something else? And, and what came most naturally to you in the writing process? For me, this essay topic was really personal. Uh, to tell you a bit about my background, uh, Education has been a really transformative force in my family. I talk about it as it relates to my grandfather, but even my parents as well. They came over to the U.S. to obtain their MBAs. And so that's been a huge thing for them as they've made careers here in America. So it was personal because obviously I've heard all of the arguments made for education from my grandparents and from my parents, certainly. 
And also as a young person, Lauren and I, and you being the same age, we also hear all the arguments about why a collegiate education is valuable. And another thing I'll say to that point is I think people increasingly now are making arguments about the university or at least against it, saying that why go to school when you can read a book or get experience on the job? And I think while the university might not be the main broker of information, it certainly is the main broker of transformative experiences. And I think that was something that I thought about when I chose Penn State and I got here. I thought, man, I I can really have an experience here that's impactful and that's transformative. Now, back then, I had no sense about the university and how it relates to potential. I just thought, well, I can change. I can be a different person because I'm leaving the old social moorings that were my hometown and I can uh, explore my personality more and, and grow as an individual. But it wasn't until the philosophy courses I've taken and some of the conversations I'd had with upperclassmen where they said, no, I, I came to university and I became someone. I, I realized my potential here. And so within the 800 word limit, I think it was, I tried to really explore that. What does it mean that this university is a forum where potential is realized? Like I, I didn't know what, where I was going with that. So I think the, the word limit kept me in tow, but I really just tried to explore it. And I think that was the easier part was being creative with it. Now, trying to have it make sense to people outside of my mind, I think every writer would say that's the difficult piece, but it was also a a welcomed challenge. Yeah, I I also agree with that. I remember in middle school and high school, whenever we would have to write something and my classmates would complain, like, I I don't know how I'm going to meet the 1,000 word count. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to stay within that word count because like, it's terrible to take stuff that you've written and all these emotions that you have and something that you've made, you know, tangible for people to read and kind of cut that down to something that still, you know, shows just how much passion you feel about it or what you were trying to get across. So I think the hardest, one of the hardest parts for me was actually taking those thoughts and memories, you know, these are things, your experiences, your life, this is something that you feel, you know, inside and making that into something that's, you know, words on a paper, something that would elicit the same emotions for the reader, you know, as, as I had as the writer. But also at the same time, I feel like that was a simultaneously easy part, though, because to me, writing is like breathing, you know, it just starts coming, and it starts flowing. And I don't like to do anything else when I'm writing. It just it comes out because it's it's like living, you feel it, you, you know, you're doing it. So because of that, once you started writing and like getting into the flow, it was really hard to stop. So for me, those were kind of the two different pieces that I thought about um, when writing it. But it was just really an enjoyable thing to kind of get all those memories and things that I've been thinking of and those parts of college that are, you know, like are not so easily quantifiable and to kind of put that into something where anyone who reads it can understand this value of education that's not so explicit. That's amazing, Lauren. And I'll also add too, it's really interesting as writers when we think about audience and especially in this case, I mean, I think most of the writing that we do in an educational context is for the audience of one. It's normally our professor or our teacher from whom we receive a grade. Yeah. But with this competition, certainly our, our work was being evaluated. But I don't know about you, Lauren, I, I had a sense of who might be reading this paper. It'll be published on the mm-hmm. Paterno Fellows website. It'll make its rounds on other social media platforms. So I'm not just writing this for myself as I would in a journal or something else that only I see. But mm-hmm. in some sense, I'm writing to express something that I hope someone else can relate to. I hope that I'm giving language to something that someone has thought for a long time or believed in. So that that consideration of audience also was difficult, Ludden, because I thought, 
this isn't this is bigger than me in some sense this this topic um this piece i'm producing is bigger than me and you feel the weight of that as a writer i think mm-hmm. especially when you know that what you're engaged in is something that can have a far reach yeah i i completely agree writing is so vulnerable it's like to me it's like breathing life you know into your memories which is maybe one of the most personal things that you can do and when you know when you're doing a grade or a paper you're writing something in a class you know there's there's a there's something you're trying to meet and there's you know an esteemed professor or someone that you want to impress but this is just something completely different this is really speaking to who we are what we believe here at college and being vulnerable in a way that I don't think many of us often do or maybe that's why you know shy away from writing or wouldn't mm-hmm. enter a contest like this because it's very difficult to take those experiences that you have and make them you know something that you would feel comfortable with who knows who's going to read it it's one of those kind of things Right. Yeah, and exactly, Lauren. The the comment you made about breathing life into your memories, I think that's very pertinent to this discussion mm-hmm. because especially and as as Michael mentioned, you're writing for a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So you really have to universalize your experiences so that they're understood by a wide public. Because often, you know, in college circles and amongst professors, there are certain things that we know and agree upon that aren't necessarily known and agreed upon in the grander scheme of things. So I think that's a very interesting point. I also want to add that I do see a very interesting parallel between what Michael said earlier about university being the uh, broker of transformative experience in your essay. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I read your essay, what I really uh, what I really took away from that was the college provided you with an individuation process. That's mm-hmm. what it really was for you. You were able to see who you were and sort of you were pushed from the back, as you sort of mentioned it, yeah. mm-hmm. into this world of opportunity and possibilities. So yeah. do you have any more to say about that? Because I thought that was a very interesting idea because I too really come to find that I've been finding myself as an individual away from my family, away from my culture, mm-hmm. away from where I came from here in university. Could you, So could you speak a little bit to that? In your yeah. personal experience? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I came here, that that kind of phrase being pushed from behind, it just, you know, it feels like you're on the edge of something, like you're on the cusp of, you know, becoming this whole person. It's almost like everything that you believe in and value just kind of stripped away from you, not in a negative sense, but just take out your parents' beliefs and you take out your family expectations and, you know, even your hometown friends and, and all those clubs and the things that you did, all those kind of achievements that kind of weighed on you around everyone. If you strip that all away and put yourself, you know, in the middle of a huge university where everything virtually is at your fingertips. It almost just feels like you're swaying from side to side. You know, there's so much that you can do. And that freedom, that kind of feeling, I think is something, one of those things that you just can't understand until you do it. And that's why, again, it was so hard, but yet so easy to write about and to try to make someone else understand. Like if I would have read this essay to myself as like a senior in high school, I would have been like, you know, that sounds great, but I just don't feel that. I don't understand like what that means. So I think it's something so personal and so unique and you can't, you can't put that feeling into numbers and you can't put it on, you know, the university website. You can't really necessarily see that in like the media and in your classes, like it's something that you have to feel for yourself. And that's kind of what I was trying to get across this feeling of, of becoming someone, but yet being stripped away from your other things and just something that's so wholly you and unique about yourself that you really can't learn until you're you're just in the moment you're completely in it that's such a great perspective lauren and i think that that's something that i've certainly made a mistake with and i think others do too when they come to university is they think that they have to become this prototype what is the prototypical finance major psychology major and then let me fashion my experiences my worldview around that yeah um, especially because i think we we don't think about university as an end unto itself we think of it as a means mm-hmm. and i think that's inappropriate because 
first of all, as I wrote in my essay, the university really is a forum of ideas. And so I wrote about how, for example, the ideas that change the world are a stone's throw away from us in our library, right? And, yep. and there are people who are walking collections of ideas. We can go to art shows and exhibits and, and musical conf- uh, performances and things like that. So, so there are really ideas all around us. And I think there's no other time in our life, lives and no other place in the world that's like that. And when you think about what belief systems are, from my sense is that belief systems are just sets of ideas. And so you can come here and almost start over and build up your own belief system from the ground up. And that is what you use to frame your perception, to uh, influence your conduct in the world. So so what we have here, what, what our society has managed to do with the creation of universities is quite significant. And I like what you said, uh, Lauren, about being an individual, because that's mm-hmm. so important. And to realize that Yes, you're pushed into this world that can sometimes feel like chaos or, or all of that, but, but still you're, you're launched into something grander than you've ever been before. Mm-hmm. And like to think about that, it's like, wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, I think too, like the, the typical things that you get from a university, what people think of, you know, academics, internships, what that might be, those are all great, but you can't do that fully you can't fully have your heart in it and be passionate and confident in going out into the world and doing those things unless you had this individual growth, this mm-hmm. feeling of being alone, you know, and this feeling of, of being pushed from behind. You can't fully experience all that unless you know who you are and you had that change, I think. And, and that independence kind of gives you the courage and kind of the, you know, the little boost, little push to be able to be passionate in those typical university things that you've learned. I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to expand upon that. Um, regarding what we get from university and the value that university has. I mean, a lot of us are very aware that not everyone has the opportunity to go to university. So it makes me think about what are our duties once we leave our institutions, when we enter the real world? What should we bring with us um, that you believe maybe that the current atmosphere is lacking? What are our duties upon the rest of the world with the education, the value that we've received from our university education? That's a great question, Ludin. I, I guess a simple answer I would give is our responsibility is to make the most of the opportunity that people sacrificed before us so that we could have it. I think that um, we come here again. There are many people who who helped build this university, certainly fund it and make it what it is. And so our responsibility is to make the most of that, whether that looks like, again, fashioning a worldview or a perspective that you use to affect change in the world. If it means taking up the education of other people onto yourself, maybe you go and become a teacher or you go and mentor other people. I think I think it's to maybe externalize this university experience, right? Because again, uh, this is a really unique place, but I think the opportunity for transformation happens in a lot of different places. For example, not to go too far afield here, but I think of things like going abroad. I have a friend who um, their latter two years of high school went to a different country and came back and everyone was like, who, who are you? I mean, they, they came back like this deep well of information and, and knowledge and awareness of themselves. And so I think part of it is, okay, to, to walk back what I was saying, part of it is to take our conviction that we fashion here and make an impact. But I think it's also to bring this, this nature, this kind of uh, dialectic of transformative experiences out into the world where we go, to our companies, 
to our communities, to our countries, to our homes. Yep, I, I completely agree with that. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's almost that idea that, you know, we if we are all holy ourselves here and, and take these opportunities, which we've been blessed with, you know, I, my parents always say, well, I, I hope you're I hope you're happy and you're loving yourself up there with with how much, you know, an education is and how much time it is. I feel like if you take those things, if we are all individually doing that and really learning to love and appreciate what we have here and, and all the people that want to support us and the opportunities that we have, if all of us are doing that, then when we all go out into the world to ultimately do, you know, those passions that we came here for and those things that we were trained for, I mean, it's kind of like you're unstoppable because if, if everybody's so confident in themselves and what they've learned and can reflect on those convictions and that transformative time, like Michael had mentioned, if we can really soak, be like a sponge and kind of soak everything up out of that, then, I mean, our, our futures, it's just like limitless, I think. Yeah, I agree. I also wonder too, Lauren and Ludden, what it looks like philanthropically to take what we get here or what we do here, or what we become here. Um, and give it back to the university because I, I really, really admire people who go out into the world, they do what they intend to do, and then they're able to endow scholarships. They're able to create programs like the Hinces with the PLA, um, people who uh, transform academic colleges or establish departments of, of study. So I've always wondered that too. I mean, if I'm in a position where I can do that, I would really love to to give back in that way and and really materially contribute to the transformative experiences that are had here at Penn State or maybe where else, wherever else I go in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that's that's very interesting. And and another thing that I think about often is, is public education reform, especially since you know not everyone particularly needs to go to university. You know, like some some careers don't really require that you go to university, and I I think that that's okay and that's fine if that's what you want to pursue. I think that. Public education, however, lacks in, in a lot of areas, whether it be with uh, financial savvy or knowledge of our political system, how it really works. Um, there's a lot of things that are not really taught in in public education. And while you can get them in, at university, if you choose to take a particular set of courses, I feel like they're largely missing from the public education system here in the United States. So I'd say that's maybe one way to contribute to, um, to, to that. Um, but moving onwards... Um, I wanted to ask you guys, was there any change or shift in the way in which you saw university beforehand and maybe once you've entered Penn State and had some experiences or maybe after you've written the essay or the process of the essay? Because I can say for myself, I was quite skeptical of university education. and Maybe it's because I watched Goodwill Hunting too many times, but um, there was there was certainly a shift that occurred in me while I was here at Penn State. Um, and I made a certain realization that it isn't necessarily about the institution itself, but what you make of your time at the institution. Mm-hmm. So was there any shift that is worth noting for either of you um, as it pertains to your relationship or your understanding uh, to the value of university education? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can take this one first. Um that there has been a complete shift, honestly, with me, and I've I've talked about it a lot with my friends and just my peers, other people this age. I think that, you know, before I had come to a place like a, a higher um, education, I had always wanted to go to college. You know, I wanted to have that degree and that to be that stepping stone for me into the workplace. But I, I never really thought of it with that like three dimensional kind of idea of what else, like the other kind of growth that occurs within you, whether that's like personal, spiritual 
know, individual growth. I, I kind of always thought about, oh, all these classes, you know, with professors that are very well respected and, and, you know, connections and alumni network all over the world. Those are the things, you know, that you think of with the university education. So I think coming here again and being fully, you know, immersed in it, open that door to that kind of, oh my gosh, I can also, you know, be my own person. I, I can do this. I can do that. It's not just, it's like almost reaching out and taking the hand of education and kind of pairing that with everything, all of your potential, like that's kind of build up. And I think that shift happens when you fully let go and accept that you're here and embrace all that education that comes with it. You know, your classes and those more tangible constructs. I think when you, when you learn to kind of mesh, you know, what you're learning, you know, what, maybe what research you want to do, what you're passionate about with who you are, the potential you have, the emotions, that overwhelming feeling of being in a place of higher education like this, I think it just shifts you into like a, you know, like a springboard position to kind of go out and conquer the world and do what you want to do because you have this newfound confidence. And now not only are you educated and, and you know, you, you came here for this great opportunity to learn and better your knowledge, but now you also have found this within yourself to kind of inspire you to be that person that you always imagine yourself being um, as you got older. When I think about how my perspective or my approach changed, when I first came here, my my plan, which I followed up until this point, is that I was going to study finance and and obtain a degree in finance, and then hopefully go on to be the CFO of a Fortune 500 company. So that was my initial thought. And then when I was an orientation leader the summer after my freshman year, I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to tell students about the um, enormity of their first year and the importance of their collegiate experience. And I, I happened upon this idea that it's that university is not about what you want to be, but it's about who you want to be. Um, because as I wrote in my essay, we, we say that um, law students are supposed to pursue graduate study and clerkships. And we say that uh, STEM students should practice the sciences, but those aren't individual paths. Those are collective. And, and a lot of those paths are a result of what you want to be, right? Just the same as everyone else who's studying the same thing as you. But the who piece, I think that's what we're here for. And Lauren certainly is, is saying that too with her comments just before mine. But but that's how it changed because I was so focused initially on what I wanted to be. And then I thought, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to become an individual, someone who is the, the composition of all of my experiences, my beliefs, and, and everything that I've encountered um, intellectually and otherwise. Uh, I, there's a who that I'm pursuing here. And that has really fundamentally changed my values here, my goals, my objectives, um, and the way that I move in this space that is the university. Yeah, and I think that really relates to what you said earlier about how most people see the university as a means to an end, but it should be seen rather as an end in and of itself. And mm -hmm. you made that comment just now about not be, the university not being for what you want to be, but for who you want to be. And I think that those two are really, uh, the really complementary ideas. And so I, I want to go one step further in this, and I feel as though you and Lauren both agree on this idea. So what is it about your experiences generally or your experiences at Penn State that led you to this conclusion about the value of university as an end in, in, in and of itself 
rather than just a means because I see that most students um, approach university with this sort of transactional mindset where mm-hmm. I'm going to take this course, I need this number of credits so I can graduate and get this job and I'll be happy. You know, that's what I need. Yeah. So, so what was it about your experiences that sort of led you to this uh, to this different sort of understanding, which I, I mean, I would personally say superior, but that's relative, right? <laughs> I agree with you on that. Yeah, me too. Um, honestly, I think that this this type of understanding, like I, I wrote about in my essay, is that what makes it so unique and so differentiated from anything else in this, you know, coming here to be who, not what, is that it's the only thing that's ever truly yours. I mean, your life, I, I wrote in mine, I have a roommate, you know, we're from the same hometown. We know a lot of the same people. We have, we've taken even similar classes, but her day looks so different from mine and her memories are so different from mine. And I, I don't know if I would have the, you know, the motivation or the passion, the enthusiasm as much as I do to, to go to these classes and to learn if I didn't have those memories of my own, you know, and those friends that I've made and the people that I've met and the, that, you know, that blissful joy that comes with just fully being yourself, you know, even like in high school or, you know, I have younger siblings and, and they're involved, I'm involved. My, I, you know, I tell my parents about my day, you know, my family knows, my friends know what I do up here at Penn State and, you know, what I'm studying, but no one is sitting in those classes with you. No one is ingesting that information into your brain and being like, wow, this is unbelievable. I can't believe that, you know, this is something that I get to learn and I get to do. All of those things, it's, it's just one thing that has been so separate from anything else in your life. You know, your parents, your family, they've walked you through things, all of your sports, anything that you might have done beforehand is so shared with people. But this college experience, especially in a place like Penn State that is so big and so opportunistic, you know, all of those things just really show you that you you are wholly yourself. And, and you know, that's, that's such a, a treasure, I think, to have that independence. And this might be the only time in life when you really have this much again, you know, if you're planning on being part of a bigger work team or having a family or something someday, this this chance to be so individualistic and to really be out there with yourself and think your own thoughts and and understand who you are and kind of build those beliefs. I think that's something that's just so particular to a university experience only that you might not get if you were just going straight into a job, you were doing some cor- some other course of study. I think it's something that's so valuable that we don't think about in, a, in an intangible way enough. Yeah, that's exactly right, Lauren. And I would also add, you just have to ask yourself, what are we doing when we're here? Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, why do we take a class, CAS class? Is it because we want to get a grade on our speech, on our persuasive argument? No, it's because to learn to speak is one of the most fundamental skills that you'll have as a person. And, and to speak and to be able to formulate arguments that make sense is is power. It's effectiveness, right? And same thing I wrote for, for a quick Schreier piece about why we do the thesis as well, right? Because to some people, it's like, yeah, why, why do I do a thesis? Why do I spend two years or one year of my collegiate experience um, amassing all of these sources and doing a lit review and, and finding an advisor. It's not because you want to graduate from Schreier. It's because you are participating in the process by which knowledge advancing and transformative paradigm shifting ideas are created. So so that that's, that's I think, is what it is. It's it's you have to ask yourself, like, what are the processes that I'm undergoing here or I'm participating in that are not just processes for temporal success, like a grade or a degree, but are actually processes that equip me for 
the broader processes that sweep and move throughout life. And I think that's what that's exactly what we do here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I, I do think when I mentioned my skepticism earlier, what kind of ended that for me is I was speaking to my aunt and she was kind of telling me about how university although they teach you certain things, you're probably not going to remember them in a couple of years. What it does teach you that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life is how to learn, right? So you approach every single experience in your life with a learner's mindset, with a student's mindset. So I saw myself approaching every single task, whether it be cooking dinner at night, I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to make the best meals, you know, I'm trying to do all these things, whether I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you guys right now on the podcast, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to ask good questions, and I'm trying to understand what you guys are saying. So it's sort of everything that you do in your everyday day life that is really influenced and touched by your university experience. So if I was to say one thing that encapsulated what a university um education was is that it teaches you how to learn and how to be a good student in the vast vast classroom of life mm-hmm. yep. and so i i'd that also like awesome. to venture further and to say i know we're talking about university very broadly you know in a, in a more abstract sense but is there anything particular about the penn state community and what's available to us here that has influenced you specifically because i mean for me coming here to a small town in this it's a very unique uh sort of area and it's very it's like a nucleus you know it's it's very jam-packed with a lot of information a lot of people a lot of things to do Mm -hmm. so is there anything specific about penn state that has influenced you in your university career or just in general as a person i would really love to know yeah um honestly I'm a psychology major, so, and I especially like social psychology. And one thing that I found extremely interesting about social psychology is the study of the group and what a community does through all of our our genes and evolutionary time and just in humans in general, how we've always needed a group. We've always needed a community. And when there's a lack of that or when you're sent out on your own, it's very hard to be, you know, a communicative, passionate person who, who survives and thrives well. So I think Penn State is like one giant group. You know, there's something special about Penn Staters and and all of our little quirks and traditions, whether it be, you know, from things like sports and football, more that, you know, the alumni network, our our colleges, even Trier, all of those things like that. I think that this is just one big environment where we share similar resources and we believe the same things. And when you're put into an area with all of these people who are so like-minded and passionate and have lived these same days that you have in their own unique way too, you know, if you talk to alumni, who went here 10 years ago, and they're still going to remember that feeling of the first whiteout game they ever went to, even though you kind of have some cross, you know, time shifts there in in culture and and where you are and where they were. It's something so interesting that this group of people can come together in such a way that makes you feel like you're all living such a similar and special life. And that these four or five years or however long you're here is something so unique and potent in, in your sense of development that you wouldn't be able to get at just any other school. And I think that's what really draws people in. Penn State. And to say nothing in, in my own perspective of, of the alumni network, I think another big part about a big school is just the wealth of opportunities here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially because the real world, or at least the world that we're going to head into after we're done here at school, is one where resources and opportunities are pretty scarce and people fiercely compete for things. Um But I think at Penn State, there are just so many opportunities lying around waiting for the right person to find them, Mm -hmm. whether it's grants for innovation, 
or its writing competitions such as these or um, its conferences like State of State or TEDx that want students with ideas to, to come and contribute what they have to say. It's really remarkable how much is here um, for us, for people who would want to seek them out and actually utilize them. So that's been really, really powerful because I know friends who go to different schools of various sizes and various levels of competition, and they say it's everything you look at. There's 10 people ready to mow you down to get there first. Mm -hmm. But I think that with a school like Penn State, there are at least enough things that you can claim as yours, to borrow what Lauren was saying about mm -hmm. the, the university experience being uniquely yours. I think that also extends down into resources and opportunities. There's enough here for everyone to make what they want out of them. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to the prompt because the, the prompt kind of stood out to me because it started with the sort of critiques of modern university education. I think it's really specific to the states. Um, I, I challenge you both to, I guess, consider the prompt in a more critical manner. Do you see that the criticisms put towards university education in America today are warranted? Maybe not completely, but in certain respects. And if so, what are they? I know that the prompt mentions the economic uh, sort of dimension, but would, would you argue any other uh, certain dimensions that would um, warrant a certain critique uh, against university education? Yeah. One thing that's always bothered me is just the atrophying of humanities departments at various universities. Uh, because universities, in some sense, fo function like a business, everything has to have a business case. So the majors have to be profitable, the courses have to be profitable, meaning students have to sign up for them and pay tuition. And I think that's just a really huge problem. Because, again, we're not trying to create prototypes who can go out into specific fields and do specific things. We're trying to create individuals with, with a wealth of experiences at hand. But that's not profitable. And unfortunately, uh, the prices of universities are only increasing, both their maintenance, but also the tuition they charge their students. So I think that's a critique I would levy is just we're... we're we're thinking of value the wrong way. It seems that value in the present university conception is monetary primarily. Um, and I think that's a mistake, but also I understand that that's a consequence of the way that things are and have been progressing for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, also to add to that about uh, being profitable, I feel like a critique would be such the emphasis on, you know, prepping you 12 years to go to school, pushing you you know, to further educate yourself, educate higher, turn you into this able-bodied worker that sends, you know, out into the world to essentially, you know, recycle those skills and make more able-bodied workers and people that are going to benefit the economy. And they're going to do jobs that, you know, boost us all up in that really competitive spirit that we love here that Michael mentioned earlier, 10 people always being ready to mow you down for what you want. I feel like that that really comes out in the university. And sometimes we we miss the more personal parts of it because whenever you're, if you're focused on, you know, a student thinking of a student more as a machine that does turns in you know work and assignment and goes out into the world and is very successful those are great things those aren't necessarily critiques but when you're only focused on that or when you think of university you know in that light of just producing workers and producing people that are going to make more money and that are going to put it back into you know our, our country and back into the, the systems themselves you might miss that um, you know emphasis that should be on the personal growth that we go through in college and you know what what a college education or just, you know, stressors can do 
um, to someone who's growing, you know, in the realm of mental health or taking care of yourself, you know, about being passionate in what you're doing. I think it could miss the mark on those things if we're too busy, you know, putting the value on just the university itself and not always the people of the university whose incredible work and passions towards it and for it and love for it, like with Penn State, um, are, are what really carries a lot of it. And I think, I think going back to what Michael said exactly, you know, pr- what is profitable isn't always what might be, you know, internally and emotionally and just in the sense of a student as a person, you know, the best thing. And that can definitely be looked at in, in multiple different lights, I think. And from the inclusive perspective, too, I think that it's really easy to get lost in universities. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean to, to be unseen here. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are only so many professors who can be mentors to people. There are only so many academic advisors that can make themselves available. And I mean, let's let's not presuppose that people get here and know what they're going to be doing or what they want to do or who they want to be. And so for for some people, they come here for four years and they think, well, it isn't self-evident that I really became someone. I mm-hmm. I struggled all four years, right? I, I had these tremendous hardships that just got the better of me every time. And I, I don't I don't know what to do about that. I know it's it's easy to offer a critique and not a solution, mm-hmm. um, but that is certainly a problem that some people come here and just never find their moorings or never find their community. Uh, and while I think that um, there has been steps in the direction of solving that, that is something of a perennial problem when you deal with big groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, I certainly do agree with you. It definitely is easier to offer critiques than to offer solutions, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to reflect on this sort of like the size of Penn State and big schools in general. Um, I feel like it's often very easy, like you said, to sort of get lost in it and not really find your place and not really land anywhere. Um, and that's why when people speak about Penn State and the Penn State experience, I think that there is no Penn State experience. I think that there are Penn State experiences because there are so many different groups, so many different interests here at Penn State. And right. really, you have to go and explore that for yourself. Because if you just stick, stay in a room and do your studies and maybe you ace all your essays, maybe you ace all your all your classes, sure, you're doing well in school, but are you really, really benefiting from being in a big school like Penn State? And I would mm-hmm. say and I would say no, because I like you guys have both said, I mean, a lot of the value of university education comes from putting yourself out there and chasing those opportunities as you both have in this uh, essay contest. Um, so what would you say to those people who who find themselves lost in sort of the the largeness and the very it's it's in a place is very hard to navigate? What would you t- give? What would one piece of advice that you would give to those people? Um, I, I think I would say, honestly, to to not be so hard on yourself in something that is so normal and expected when coming to a place like this. I mean, it's almost like you're just dropped in, you know, right, right in the middle of everything. And you have to give yourself some grace, I think, like with anything else, you know, with a, a test grade that was less than expected, or maybe something that you didn't get into that you applied for, you really wanted to, you know, you're going to have those setbacks in college, no different than high school or what you might have experienced before. It's just a setback in a new place, a new kind of setback, you know, a new kind of feeling lost. But if, if you just give yourself some grace and, and recognize that you, you're you here for a reason, you were picked to be here, you deserve your spot here, you earned it. You know, you're so, everyone is so brimming with potential, whether they know it or not. Every little moving part of Penn State, every person here has something to contribute. And I think if you just look at yourself, in a little bit of a more broader, you know, take off those rose colored glasses that you're, 
you're the only one who's lost. You're the only one who's feeling that they might not fit in. I mean, there's 40,000 people here. Odds are that some of those within the 40,000 are probably also feeling like that. So if you just believe a little bit and give yourself some grace, you have that potential and that, you know, you can do great things here. I think that taking that first little baby step of acknowledging that and acknowledging your fear, you know, maybe a little misplacement is the best way that you can open yourself up to being vulnerable, to have those great experiences and to do those things here that originally, you know, drew you into Penn State. That's great, Lauren. I can also speak from personal experience in this regard, because for me, my sense of feeling lost initially in my first year was not a consequence of not knowing who I wanted to be or maybe what I wanted, but just not having it and not knowing when it was going to come. So I was in this really scary liminal space between you know, my starting point and where I wanted to go. And I had no idea if I was moving forward or backward. And I can tell you a bit what I did. I mean, the first thing is I literally sat down and I wrote out the man that I wanted to be. I said, if, if I can get anywhere in life, it would be, um, it would be towards this individual that I envisioned myself being. So that was the first thing I did. Then I got a different document and I wrote um, the impact I want to have and, and the legacy I want to leave behind. And so that directionally oriented me. It wasn't like I was now spinning in a circle anymore, but at least I was tilted towards something. And I would say that something was in the direction of up. And um, and then after that, I just kept going. I mean, I know, I know that sounds cliche, but I think after you've oriented yourself upward, meaning oriented yourself towards being better than you are, you just have to move forward and trust that you're moving somewhere purposeful, even if you don't see... Uh, the results or the fruit of that immediately. Mm-hmm. For me, I realized that where I was going was correct about my junior year when some some specific pieces fell into place. And I thought, wow, if only freshman me would have known that this is where I was going, I would have felt so much better and, and less dissonant about it. So so again, I would say it's orient yourself directionally in, in the right direction and then just keep going. And hopefully within the space of four years, you'll see the payoff or you'll see yourself get to what you initially envisioned, but you're not going to see it initially. So so you have to accept that and resolve to keep going, even though that might be the case. Vision, patience, prudence, and hard work is what I heard from both of you. And I really love both of those answers. And I'd like to end by saying thank you so much for making the time to be here and to talk to me today. I really appreciate sitting down with you both. Um, I hope you guys have a great spring break and I hope to speak to you both soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the best.